Hi, I'm Stuart McLeod, CEO and co-founder of Carbon. Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, the show where I go behind the scenes with the world's top accounting leaders. Today, I'm joined by Crystal Cook, the Director of Diversity and Inclusion Team at AICPA, the Association of International Certified Professional Accountants. Before joining the association, Crystal spent 12 years at the Centre for Audit Quality, where she managed governing board operations and had the experience of working at KPMG for seven years as an auditor in their assurance practice. Now, Crystal focuses on increasing the representation of underrepresented populations in the accounting profession by making diversity and inclusion a priority in the areas of recruitment, certification and advancement of ethnic minorities. It is my pleasure to welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, Crystal Cook. Crystal, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what your role is at the association. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much, Stuart. Yes, I am the Director of Diversity and Inclusion. And before we get into too much, I would like to share that my pronouns Hmm. are she, her, and hers. And I know that everyone is only listening today, but I like to give people a visual (laughs) into what I look like. And I am an African-American woman with what I tend to call as latte brown skin. So it's kind of light. I have short, (laughs) curly, darkish hair. It's longer on the top and it has little light highlights throughout and it's cut shorter around the sides. I'm wearing glasses and I typically stand about five feet, 11 inches tall. But today I am sitting and I'm in my home office in Bowie, Maryland. So thank you so much for having me today. And I'm looking forward to our discussion. Crystal, it's a pleasure and an honor to welcome you today. And, and I look forward to learning so much about your role and, and the impact that the association is having in the industry and as it's relating to DEI. And as I say, it's, it's so good to meet you and, and uh, talk to you about more of this, to talk with you about this today. Thank you. <laughs> I can't help but notice the the hoodie that you mentioned. And so tell me about Ohio State. My, you know, college knowledge is basically zero, partly because of my accent (laughs) and partly because I just uh, haven't lived with it at all. So tell me all about Ohio State and how their teams went this year. So, well, first of all, I'm going to have to tell you, give you a little background. So I didn't go to Ohio State. So okay. I always, people right. always think that I did because I'm such a huge fan, but I'm from Columbus, the Columbus, Ohio area, which is where Ohio State is. I grew up in a town called Westerville, Ohio, which is a suburb of Columbus. And so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ohio is a little different in that anyone probably who goes through there <laughs> is brainwashed into being an Ohio oh, State I see. fan. So, so if, if you pass through just one, one time, well, you're, you're an Ohio raised, State person. Well, people who are raised there. So I always, yeah, sure, I don't sure. know in elementary school if where you're from, they have choir classes. Do you guys have choir in elementary school? Well, so I went to a primary school called Sindel South Primary Okay. in Melbourne. Uh, uh, like, you know, uh, uh, suburban Melbourne, it was, oh, well, back then it was probably only 30 minutes to the city. These days it's probably an hour and a half, you know, traffic. <laughs> uh, did we have choir? Well, if you call, you know, a couple of, you know, nine-year-olds butchering the Australian National Anthem every Friday, I, I guess 
I guess that we did. Yes, but, that is but choir. certainly not like you. <laughs> That's definitely choir. Because I'm sure we sounded terrible. But yes, we had a choir class. And in those choir classes, they teach you the Ohio State fight songs, all the different songs oh, that Ohio, they I play see. in college. So you know them. And so, and that's all yeah. everyone does on the weekends during football season is watch Ohio State <laughs> football. So I, for a while in my youth, thought Ohio State was the only university that was out there. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's only one university in all of America. Lucky we live near it. Exactly. That's how they make you feel anyway, as a youth. And then you obviously get older and realize. And so I actually went to yes. the University of Cincinnati, which is about two hours down the road. And I am also a university Cincinnati. It, you very easily could have caught me in a UC sweatshirt. I wear them back and forth and right. rotate. But this is my, I like to say that Ohio State is my true love, my yep. first love, yep. but I have others my first love, yeah. after that. So, yeah. But Ohio State <laughs> did pretty good. They're known, I think they're probably more so known for their football team. Yes. And yep. we... We did okay this year. We lost. So I don't know you about Ohio State. The Ohio State-Michigan rivalry is a huge thing for us. And we lost to yes. them this year. Yeah, I've heard a little bit about that. the first time in 10 years. <laughs> oh, so that no. was, that oh, was no. not cool at all. So And that actually hurt mm. our chances of going into the playoffs. Yep. So it's kind of a, it yep. was still, we still were, you know, like sixth in the country or something. We were still pretty high up there, but losing to Michigan always kills everything. Like it doesn't matter to us. Anything yep. else. We could have a losing season and beat Michigan and we'd be all happy. <laughs> right. Yes. So. Yes. A bit like Collingwood Carlton from where I am. Yes. But uh, there's Michigan, the Harbour coach. Yes. Michigan. No. Yes. yes. Right. Okay. So. They have to pay twenty five million for their coach just to beat Ohio. So I, I, I think you should get a head start. <laughs> I like <you>, Stewart. <laughs> I'm slowly learning a little bit about my football. It's a very complex game, and I, I quite enjoy it. But it's complex technically. It's complex uh, racially. It's complex mm-hmm. economically. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a big it's, uh, it's a big uh, revenue stream too. So oh yeah. It's it's a huge yeah. industry in the country, yep, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so And so you went to Cincinnati's university and what did you study there? How um that, what were you gonna be when you grew up? An accountant. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? You <laughs> Yeah, I don't hear that very often. Usually, usually people fall into accounting. No, that's, that's the funny. <laughs> Did you have parents and, and the likes that were yes, accountants? Yes, my mother yeah. was an accountant. So that's kind of how I got into accounting. And uh-huh, I always uh-huh, tell, uh-huh. we've done research mm. at the association and it says that most people who go into accounting either knew somebody who was an accountant or they took an accounting yep. class in high school. Those are the two top reasons. And my yep. mother was an accountant. Yep. She was in taxes, though, and I did not do, go the tax route. I went the- <laughs> <laughs> you, did you, you didn't like no. the depreciation schedules, your 1099s, your W-2s. <laughs> she still does them Mm-mm. for fun. She doesn't practice she? anymore, but she oh, thinks wow. it's fun, and I'm quoting fun, to do taxes. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, I went I to saw those route, which I loved audit. <laughs> And right. So that's, okay. that's kind of how I got into it. So I, yeah, I went to school for accounting, graduated with an mm-hmm. accounting degree, did a mm-hmm. little bit of an internal audit, mm-hmm. and that wasn't my thing. And so mm-hmm. then I went the public mm-hmm. accounting route. And so that's what mm-hmm. led me. I went to KPMG, 
um, had great experiences there. And then from there, that's, I think all the while through KPMG, I was living my DEI journey, I like to say. I didn't know I was, but right. I was I was doing, I did not envision yep. myself being a DEI professional. I was going to be, you know, I was going to go into the firm and I was going to be a partner and I'm going to do all these things. I had my yep. path all planned, yep. but, you know, I tell people only one yep. person knows your path person i guess you can say and that's the man up above so <laughs> i was like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're, and he, he had a different different he path had a very for you. different path for me one that i didn't even know i had but i've enjoyed that path and that path has taken me to a place that i'm very passionate mm-hmm. about so i'm, I'm glad of where i'm happy where it mm-hmm. ended mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well it has well, ended yeah ended for me long way to go, long like, way it, to go. i'm pausing here and <laughs> yeah. sitting here for, for today for yeah today. that's right <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm interested in that state when you sort of say you you were living that that diversity and inclusion journey. What did that mean to you at KPMG? Like, why do you say that, you know, in, in hindsight, looking back on that? So as a minority in the accounting profession, I'm a black woman. I'm a woman. And so there's, yeah, there's those yeah. two things alone. <laughs> profession is, I think everybody in accounting knows the profession is predominantly white men. And so I was Mm. in many a rooms where I was the only one. And I had two choices. I could either try and change the narrative and help make it a more inclusive environment, Mm -hmm. or I could leave it. And I Mm -hmm. chose to stay Mm -hmm. and try and help make the change. And so when I was going through these different scenarios and maybe being the only one in an audit room, or I'm still Mm -hmm. sometimes the only Mm -hmm. one in rooms. And how do you help educate those around you on how to be more inclusive? And how do I make people comfortable who aren't normally used to being around a person of color? And I feel like that is, I don't have to do that. No. And is it my responsibility? Probably not. But I welcome that because I think that's what's going to help change. If we can give each other grace and be welcoming of each other and room for this growth. If you learn more about me, you're more Mm. comfortable around me and the next person you meet when you're more comfortable around. And so that's how we change and evolve. And Mm. I'm I've decided that I Mm. wanted to be part of that change. And that's kind of what Mm. and I realized, like, I've been doing this my whole life and I'm. I don't know if you can tell, I'm kind of an extroverted person where I will go out of my way to talk to people. And <laughs> so it was easy for me and it was natural for me. And I also grew up in Westerville, Ohio, which was predominantly white. So I, mm. my whole upbringing yeah. prepared me for this career. <laughs> Experience. So I, I knew yeah. how to navigate yeah. it and I yeah. wasn't uncomfortable, even though I was the only mm. one. I guess that saying they say, get comfortable being uncomfortable. I was that way my whole life. So I was, a, when I got to be a professional, it wasn't that awkward for me to navigate. And so... I felt mm. like I belonged. I mm. felt like I earned my spot there and I felt like I deserved to be there. And so yeah. nothing was going to make me leave other than me deciding to leave on my own because I wanted to. And so I was, that's what I decided to do. Mm. And I kept with it. And that was yeah. my journey to KPMG. Now I only left KPMG because I unfortunately never actually got my CPA license. That was for mm. many mm. reasons. I think culturally, I was taught to, you graduate, 
you take care of yourself, you get a job, mm. like you don't come mm. home, you don't go mm. home and get more money from mom and dad. You, you're done at college and you get to work. <laughs> and that's kind of how my brain was programmed. And so as soon as I graduated, that's what I was trying to yeah. do. If I could do it all over again, I probably would have paused after I graduated. I think I didn't have a mentor either to kind of walk me through that accounting journey at school as to how I did it. My mom's mm. path was different mm. and she's not a CPA either, but she worked in accounting. And so I didn't have that education as to you should take the exam now, you should do all this. And we didn't have the fifth year and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So I missed that kind of guidance in my career trajectory. And I also mm. did it. Mm. I felt like I could do it while I was working, which was, I tell when I talk to the students now, I say, listen to me. <laughs> If I can be an example to you, <laughs> take that exam before you start working. That is the one regret that I have. Because once I started working, yeah. it was just impossible for me. And it was hard. And I also did not have the money at the time to front for all these expenses, which is thus, again, why I felt like I needed to start working. If I started working, I could then pay for the exam. But none of yeah. these things, it was the perfect storm of wrong choices. And... <laughs> And I, yes, <laughs> well, in circumstances. Yes. So I didn't <laughs> sit and life happened. Life got busy. And I, by then I'm yep. married. I have two kids. Like it just started to get to a point. By then the rules changed. I needed 150 hours. And so it was just a lot of things happening. And so, but I was fortunate. I like to say blessed. And I think my accounting career, my accounting degree still held value even though I didn't have my CPA license and I was still mm. able to get to the, not that I'm promoting not getting the CPA because I still would do that. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> you, you get in trouble with your boss. <laughs> uh, but I, I definitely, that is my one regret. Yeah, and, yeah, I, yeah. and maybe I'll still go back and get it at some point. But I think that is a definite, people who have that, if you're an accountant, nobody can tell you no at this point, right? People can still tell me no in certain situations. And so you should never set yourself up to be in a position where somebody can tell you no, but that's what I tell the students. But um, <laughs> so I, they used me, I use myself as a learning opportunity, but like I said, it still brought me on a path that it was just as fruitful. I was still able to work with the Center for Audit Quality and still work in the accounting field. I'm now in an accounting association. I'm still in the accounting environment. I've just pivoted and gone into DEI. And I actually feel, like I mentioned earlier, it's developed into a passion. I want to see others who look like me mm. go down this same journey. They, too, deserve mm. to be here. They, too, deserve mm. to know about this career and know how beneficial Absolutely. it is. No matter what path they take, having this career, this education is going to do nothing but help. And so I want others to see that. I want to be a part mm. of the change in making this profession diverse. It should look like all of us. And I want to help do that. And so it's mm. developed into all mm. of that. And so mm. now I'm just like, I can't leave until I, until I see some change. <laughs> That's part of my my mission in life is to help change that. It meant to help others, other young accountants or aspiring accountants, give them encouragement and guidance and be that mentor to those that I didn't have that kind of walked me through and kind of give me guidance and help. And so that's kind of how I got here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> there's, there's so much we can dive into. 
Look, I don't, you don't have to be specific if you don't want to, but I'll, I'll ask, was there a, a clear moment for you at KPMG? You know, were there circumstances, good or bad, that where you thought, you know, where you, you just had to be really resolute and, and like, I really want to change this outlook, change this behavior, change this view that, yeah. or, you know, try and get others included. Do you know what I mean? I, like, was there poor situations or good situations that, that sort of push you down this path? I honestly don't remember feeling, actually, now that I say that out loud, I remember there was a situation where I was the senior on a job and so on an mm. audit, I assume everyone knows how an audit team works and we, we are all, a bunch of us are sitting in this room at a conference table or it's either a conference table or you have all your desks in a room. It's you as the senior in charge and your staff members, sometimes your manager's there, but my manager wasn't there that day. Mm. And we're all sitting there working on things women and men, and the client comes in. I'm in there. I'm in charge, Mm. technically. And so the client comes in, and he goes to the student Mm. or Mm. my staff that is a white man and says, are you in charge? Mm. He didn't even think Mm. to come to me. Like, I was in the room, Mm. and he said, "This." my staff said, no, she is. And Mm. he's like, oh, (laughs) okay. So, I mean, Mm. that happened, but I didn't make a big deal about it. I just was like, you know, yes, how can I help you, sir? I am the senior in charge, that kind of thing. So little things like that would happen. Not so much on my, I don't remember it so much as happening on my um, engagement team. I think there's always situations where people aren't sure what to say to you. They aren't sure how to say things to you. I don't know if there's, I'm told it's a fear, fear for the reaction that you might, they may receive, or sometimes even men are fearful to say things to women for legal reasons. There's all these little things that you experience that Mm -hmm. you just kind of like, let it brush off your shoulder and you just keep on moving. You don't really say things about, but yeah, those are the kind of instances that I saw, but I don't think those are what led me to DEI, to be completely honest. I think I was just navigating through those things through life mm. as just normal mm. life experiences as a person of color, as a woman. Like, that's just the life we lead. And so I was just kind of going on and on. Mm. And I don't even think at that time I knew there was a such yep. thing as a DEI leader. I was just kind of going along and <laughs> living my life and experiencing yeah. things what? and navigating them. And then when I got to the Center for Audit Quality and started working more prominently in the talent space, the DEI work came up. And I was like, oh, yes, this is an element. And then I thought, I've been living this my whole career. Like, I totally know what this is. And like, I'd be excellent at this because I know what (laughs) this is like firsthand. And so the AICPA at the time... Now they're the Association mm. of International Certified Professional Accountants, but they had a, they still have, which the team I'm on now was the <laughs> DEI team that works solely on external DEI for our members. And we worked collaboratively a lot. At the Center for Audit Quality, I would work on public company audit and I would work on recruiting and bringing people into the profession broadly, not any mm. one firm, but just bringing you into the broadly, not any one specific, but we would focus on 
audit and explaining what audit is and trying to, most people know about the tax part of accounting, but they Mm. don't know about the audit side. So we would kind of go around educating about that. And of course, it naturally had a DEI pillar, I guess you could say to it. And so we would then focus a massive piece where I would collaborate with the CPA team. And so when my predecessor left, who we had worked together a lot in many instances, she then said, hey, I think I can see this is where you're passionate about. You're good at it. You should apply for my job. And so that's kind of how it went. I like to Hmm. tell people, so we have a group here that's called the (laughs) National Association of Black Accountants, NABA. Not sure if you've heard of them, but they have a motto that's good. Yep. So they have a motto that's called. We have, have. yep. (laughs) That's lift as you climb. And so it's all about taking someone along as your journey, as you go, bringing somebody up with you. (laughs) And that's what my predecessor, her name is Kim Drongo. That's what she did. And I like to say, she lifted, I climbed, and I joined. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She laid the path for you. And all you you needed to do was make sure you walk along it, right? (laughs) And I, you know, I interviewed and I think my, my unique perspective of having walked the journey helps and everyone I do my work every day and mm. I've been doing it ever since I've been in this two years now and the work is sometimes exhausting I'm not gonna lie but it's a good exhaustion because I think you kind of have to go through that for things mm-hmm. to change if it's all easy you're probably not doing anything <laughs> like it's when things get hard is when you start changing yeah. things around yes so, that's, yeah that's right yeah that's right. That's that's true for many, many aspects in life. It's a fascinating journey. So let's talk, we as a group that, that work with accountants across the world, sad to say, but, you know, the sort of 55, 60-year-old male is the predominant, white male mm-hmm. is the predominant species of the industry. <laughs> but before we get into some of that... And you probably know the numbers better than, well, I don't know the numbers at all. So you probably have the numbers, but it feels like to me that across the globe, getting young people interested in accounting, getting colleges, universities to promote accounting degrees. And it feels like that for every accountant that retires, you know, we might get half or three quarters of one or or maybe a whole one that, that sort of commences their career in accounting. Do you know the numbers off the top of your head? Is the industry expanding? Is it a basically staying the same in America? Do you know where where that's up to or what the trend is at the moment? For people enrolling in accounting? Yeah, or for sort of yeah. accounting graduates and yeah, people so moving into the industry. We have a, a trends report that we issue every other year. We've been issuing it since... I think mm-hmm, 1971 mm-hmm. or something. Well, there's probably a trend or two in there then, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it shows that the percentage of people entering accounting, now from a diversity lens, because you know I'm a diversity person, yep, yep. it's about 60% white and mm-hmm. 40% non-white is what we call it. And that's that's the the ratio of what it is. It goes as you go to graduation, those numbers drop a little bit because I think mm-hmm. in naturally in any profession or any career, people who enroll don't always graduate for whatever reason. Yep. So that drops off. And then hiring into the firms is about 70-30, 70% white, 30% mm. non-white. So mm. 
And that's been pretty stagnant, if I can recall back, for several years. And so that number wow. is what's that gap is, is to we're trying to get more than that 30% into the mm. profession. And how do we change those numbers? And then if you look at those, that 30% that's higher, don't going all the way into the partnership, that number mm. drops all the way to 9%. Really? Only 9% are making it to partners. And that's, mm. you know, if you slice that by ethnic group, yep. it's like single digits, <laughs> it's less yeah. than single digits. And so it's yeah. kind of like the numbers aren't good, mm. but there's, and if you look at it, I know sometimes you have to look at it too in individual categories. Like for instance, black, the percentage of black people in, in the United States is I think 13 or so, or somewhere around there. Mm. And I think only nine of those are going into accounting, I believe, as a number. Mm. Or mm. there's mm. 9% of the non-white category that I told you is not. And so once mm. you go all the way up to how many CPAs are in mm. the profession per our trends report, and that's, you know, so it's projections and all that, only 2% yeah. of CPAs are Black. So mm. it's, you got to kind of dice the information and look at it. And so it shows that we have work to do, but I'm told, I've heard some early projections from our trends report. We're getting ready to enter the, um, the team. I don't work on the team at does the trends report, but I've told that the numbers have gone up a little on diversity for 2022. So I won't get into that too much until the data gets out. Yes. Yes. I don't have the actual numbers <laughs> to support what I'm saying, but I think there has been growth over the years minor growth which is crazy because i feel we, we all feel like we're doing a lot at least i do anyway. <laughs> yes, and and the to, numbers to move that move the needle is hard so, right so, so to move the needle is hard and we have to work on so many things at the same time that yeah. need to happen yeah but yeah i think and the women actually the gender numbers have grown so now women are too. exceeding men going into accounting oh good and so it's good. it's right there so those numbers are turning around which is good but again mm. the partnership numbers i think it's only at least from this last data i'm not sure what this latest data says but in 2019 data mm. the women it was 23 percent or 24 percent which was up 20 which mm -hmm. is up two percent two percentage points mm -hmm. from the last time we did it so it is growing mm. but again Still work to be done, still growth to be done. Yeah. Well, hopefully, at least we'll come back to the the ethnic and colour minorities, but mm -hmm. hopefully with, I would suggest that, you know, with COVID and uh, firms moving to more flexible working arrangements and yes. working from home and mm -hmm. the shortage of talent across the world that, Great you know, they're creating more the great resignation, my team, please don't, please don't resign. We, we need, <laughs> we'd like to think, and I'm sure it will, I'm sure it'll play out because we've seen so many of our customers, so many of the firms that we work with that have, um, you know, shifted their flexibility and, and geographic locations and all, all of that kind of thing can only help, you know, women who Absolutely. I know I'm stereotyping, but, but ultimately, you know, raising kids and, and need more flexibility in order to take on those the hefty role of partner and and those higher management positions. So hopefully those numbers will move up over the next couple Absolutely. of years. Absolutely, <laughs> yep. And I think there's farms now that are remote only, and it yep. evens yep. out yep. the playing field for the care the caregivers. Which 
I don't think it's stereotypical to say that it's women because the women are (laughs) often, not only, but often the caregivers Mm. and family. And so whether that's for a parent or a child or whatever. And so it does affect women differently. That's just the reality of it. Yeah. And and our husbands can, uh, uh, us husbands can often. Their spouses. Need similar care for Their their spouses. It may not be a husband. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's true. That's true. Thank you. Oh, you, you know, I, I, I need some school and other stuff. I'm, I try. I try. I try. I really do. That's I really okay. Do. I told you earlier, I educate. I'm happy to educate. <laughs> yes. Every day is a school day for me, I tell you. <laughs> okay. Well, Crystal, how, this is probably the hundred-ish million oh, dollar question, how do we promote and attract minorities and you know, technically we can include women in that because anything that's not a white male <laughs> over the age of about 55 yes. is a minority in the accounting industry. How do we promote and, and attract diversity and diverse groups to the industry? So this is a little question because there's not one thing that we need to do, which I know people want to hear. Bet. What's the one magic yeah. thing we can do? I think. Oh, yeah. What are the 300 things we can do? (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll break it down to two things for you. Okay. The two things that I think are help. I think one, I, these are Crystal Cook's feelings. I think Mm -hmm. we need to get back into high schools. To our discussion earlier, to where I either, you go into accounting because you either know somebody about who's in accounting, a family member, a cousin, or whatever, or you took an accounting class. Well, for our ethnic minorities, we are finding that they don't know an accountant. They aren't as fortunate yeah. to me to have an accountant or yep. they attend a school that didn't have an accounting class. Many schools actually don't have accounting classes. And really? especially in non-affluent areas, they don't have the resources to support an accounting class. So they may not even yeah. hear about accounting until they get into college, which, I mean, they may hear yeah. about it at tax time. There's this person who does our taxes or whatever, but they don't understand <laughs> the full magnitude of what an accounting can be and what an accounting career can yeah. give you. And so I think getting back into high schools to widen that pipeline of people who are even interested in accounting to begin with from diverse backgrounds and not diverse, because I think the whole pipeline needs to continue, but especially for diverse, yeah. it starts in high school and it starts to bring in those, if you go to a career class or Mm. for those that have some kind of financial literacy class or something like that you can Mm -hmm. bring in accounting Mm -hmm. that way and tell them about all the benefits of accounting if you want to own your own business one day you can be an accountant you need to learn that's the most inner workings of the business is is from learning the the statements and things like that if you want to become a cfo you can become you you can do that through an accounting you can Mm be the accountant for Stephen Curry. Like there's all these, yeah. you know, basketball. Cause you, you oh, said you didn't oh, know no, football. No, well, okay. well, it's just, a, it's a funny example. I mean, he, he probably needs a team of accountants exactly. in the amount of money he makes. He might, yes, exactly. But I'm saying these are the stories that yeah, the, the yeah. students need to hear as to how it works. And I yeah, think, you know, yeah. even if you break it down, you're the person that counts the money. Like there's things that yep. you can, ways that you can get it across so that people understand what it really is. So that's the one thing I think mm. is broadening the education around the career early. And in that awareness, 
how you sell the profession, sell is not a, probably the better word, is not a good word, but how you uh, promote, how you promote, thank <laughs> you, the profession to, you need to make sure that you're talking about all those opportunities and all those experiences and yep. it's the language of business, all yep. that kind of stuff. So that's the first yep. thing. The second thing is mm-hmm. all that work that we're doing in high schools doesn't even matter if they don't see themselves in the profession. They need to yeah. be able to diverse people I'm talking about. It. So mm-hmm, if, you, mm-hmm. if you're if you joining a career and you see that there's no women in leadership at that organization, yeah. why would I want to work there? <laughs> if I go there and I see that there's no people who look like me, yeah. who have my cultural background, do I feel like I'm included, yeah. that I'm valued there? Probably not. And so how do you change that to make your business or your workplace a place where everyone who walks that through that door feels that they're valued there, that they have a sense of belonging there, that they can contribute? Mm. And you can't, you can't if you just don't have that staff there. And so you have to kind of work mm. on both those things together. And those, I feel like, are two yep. crucial pieces. There's other things between there, between entry level and retention is what we call that. And that helps to keep them in the pipeline. There's also, you know, college and all that kind of stuff. And people will tell you, I'm on the board of the PhD project. And they, they always talk about how it's important for students to see people that look like them in front of the classroom, too who are teaching them. And so there's all these yep. different elements to what helps along the pipeline to make them feel like they can be a part of the career. So, yeah, no, that makes sense. A couple of things come to mind. I mean, the financial literacy, I don't know how, you know, I, 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 again, I probably should do, do some research, but the, wherever, you know, I've lived, you know, 10 years in the States now, and, and I don't think Australia is certainly no better that's for sure. But, you know, to be able to, the number of people that can properly read a balance sheet and a P&L in business life is is surprisingly yes. low. <laughs> I don't even know that you would see and, one most cases. Most people. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, anybody that's in sales, marketing. Mm-hmm. Business. Business, any type of business, right? Like, you know, even if you're lawn mowing, you, you know, you need to be able to, to have that financial literacy yes. to to achieve your goals and everything so i guess there's there's a couple of halo effects right of trying to promote diversity and and the industry generally is that financial literacy aspect Mm -hmm. right (laughs) i think that's a good avenue in because like i said they may not have Mm. a accounting class or something but most schools Mm. teach about financial literacy i think and there's a lot of programs through like junior achievement all these kind of things that they teach about how to be financially savvy and understand where your money's going and that's a perfect segue into accounting yeah yeah no completely and so what what are the programs that uh the institute and and you know the the various uh, bodies in the industry have going to sort of try and achieve you know they're a pretty monumental task (laughs) so we focus on a lot of areas outside of just ethnic minorities, which is mm-hmm. kind of what we've been talking about a lot today. But we focus outside of ethnic minorities. We focus on women, which we've been talking about today, too. But we mm-hmm. also have an LGBTQ mm-hmm. plus focus area. Oh, cool. It's yep. our newest yep. focus area yep. that we've added to our slate. Um, we formalized the committee around it last year. So it's going on its first year 
of work and they've developed a strategic plan and we're starting to get our activities together. Mm-hmm. And then we have a young member focus as well. So generational diversity and it's making sure that our, to our earlier point about pipeline, it's making sure that our younger professionals mm. stay in the profession <laughs> that we support them and provide them with the resources yeah. that they need and the networks that they need and the skill sets and yeah and they all our groups also intersect so we may have something for our young professionals that are ethnic minorities and we may have something mm. for women of color or we you know we kind of figure out we support things we have we also look at disabilities um and we had a uh, a webcast with an accounting firm that has somebody who is has autism and how do you widen your workforce to bring in disabilities as well and i think it for this particular firm they grew more from the individual than the individual grew and so those kind of relationships <laughs> when you're inclusive everyone thrives and so we also had a, mm. a one of our members is um hard of hearing and she wrote a blog or helped us with a blog on how to be more inclusive of hard of hearing accountants. And so there's all these different elements that we don't necessarily mm. think of on a day-to-day basis that we need to be working to make our environments inclusive for everyone. So getting the diversity in the door is one thing, but then that E and the I are just as important, mm. right? How are we giving everybody equitable opportunities and yeah. how are we making everybody feel like they belong here? So all that kind of stuff. And so, Mm. That's kind of high level how we do our work, but we have events that support all those areas, that support students, that support young members, that support women. We have webcasts, educational opportunities for our members in those areas. And so that's kind of how we we support our membership. And so our team is external facing. Mm. So all of our things help to support our, our members who are also walking the DEI journey and giving them the support that they need to navigate mm. that. Have you seen some great DEI programs in other industries that you're sort of like, oh, wow, you know, I wish I could sort of copy that or are you trailblazing I mean, here I'm, a bit? My hands are full with our industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I yeah. Know, I know that other industries have challenges, the same challenges that we do. We aren't alone in that. Um, mm. There's a lot of industries that are are mm. struggling with diversity like that, that, like us. And so just kind of mm. leveraging more so and, and walking, seeing what other people are doing, how they're, a lot of it is sometimes our situation is unique in that we have to um, figure out ways to, I tell people, you have to do things in a way where they can be received how everyone, I can't just yeah. bark at people and tell them they need to be more diverse. And blah, blah, blah. Like I have to speak to them in a way that they can, just like you learn in a classroom, we all learn differently. And so it's learning our, yeah. who our audience is and how they receive. And so it's, it's not yeah. always, you can just take something that somebody else does, but it's kind of learning how are, how do other accounts, how do those white men that we talked about, how do I reach them? How do I help them understand these challenges? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apart from on the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe you've got but to go there to reach them. <laughs> and it's not always just the white men. It's how to, a lot of people don't know how to be inclusive mm. leaders. And so how do you, I don't think mm. I learned 
how to be an inclusive manager. No one ever gave me training on that. Like, I don't think that was a thing. And so, but now we want people to be (laughs) inclusive. So we need to give managers training on that, Mm. tips and tools. And a lot of that is really just opening up an Mm. environment so that Mm. you can Mm. make each other feel like you can trust and talk to each other and making it a safe place. And so there's tricks and not tricks, but there's little exercises Mm. that you can do to make your teams feel more safe and be able to talk to each other and have those uncomfortable conversations that just need to happen because that's how we're going to grow. And so Mm. all that kind of training never really happened, but now it needs to. And so it's giving, empowering people to do that too and have those. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, my, my experience with a lot of these sensitive areas, to be honest, you know, like when we first arrived, particularly in the country, in this country, because it's so prevalent in society, they were discouraging uncomfortable conversations. I mean, they, they, you know, we actively got taught, don't talk about religion, don't talk about colour, don't talk about gender, and be, don't talk about sports because, you know, you might get into an argument. And so you can talk about the weather and that's about it in the, uh, near the water cooler. <laughs> It's kind of the opposite. I see, more, see, the, see the problem where we are, and that's why we are where we that's are right. now. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Let's, yeah, let, well, let's let us not get into politics. Like, well, we, yeah, I know, we, but we, I think I think that we all were kind of taught yeah, that. Yeah, like you don't talk about that at work. Yeah, like that's but that's how you learn about each other. We actually have a a mantra that we say on our National Commission on Diversity and Inclusion. That's the committee that supports our ethnic minority work. And we always start every meeting and we say, we are going to suspend our rights to be offended before we go into our discussion today. Uh, And that just kind (laughs) of gives everybody the freedom to just say what you want. We assume positive intent. Yeah, We know what we might touch on some topics that might be sensitive, but we realize that we're all learning and trying to grow from each other. So whatever, if you say something wrong, we will correct you, but we don't, we know that was not your intent. And so mm. that gives people, they can let their guard down and just talk yeah. and learn. And we give yeah. each other grace. That's mm. the thing. Grace. Mm. We mm. all need to give each other just a little bit of grace just, so that yeah. we can learn mm. and not, be so bullish to each other when people no. make a mistake. It's that's okay. Or even when they don't. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, right. I, and so how do we get past it? And okay, you said something wrong. I will kindly correct you. And then next mm. time you won't say it again or you yeah. won't you do it again. And then you've grown and we've yeah. all become better because of it. Feedback is a gift. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, yeah. So, no, it's, I think that's that's just it. We just gotta. I'm, we can't hide behind and not talk about those uncomfortable things to get mm. past it. We need mm. to talk about it and then mm. understand it, appreciate it, and then we can move forward together. Mm. Yeah. So, what are some of the highlights? Like, it, it, what what are some of the you know the successes that you've had in this role so far? Because it, it really is a fascinating journey that you've had. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a couple of highlights. <laughs> I mean. Getting to where I am in the accounting profession, like I said, mm. without my CPA, that's a highlight mm. in itself. Yeah, I feel like it I've been is. <laughs> I've been very successful in my path. And maybe successful isn't the right word. I guess I could say successful, but it's also been very rewarding. Yeah. I think I 
if I would do it, I wouldn't change how it happened. And I would continue mm. down the same, I would do the, the exact same way because I've learned so much, but I would kind of mm. stop and enjoy the journey a little bit. I was so <laughs> set in my head about, oh my gosh, this isn't what I said I was yeah. going to do. I'm going this way yeah. and that way. And I'm like, but it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't have to go that set journey and be so rigid about how I was mm. supposed to progress. And if I would just step back and just, enjoyed the ride and just go wherever yeah. life took me, I think it would have been even better. Yeah. But I think, you know, just the, the everyday successes that I, the little mini successes that I have when I talk to someone and they have that aha moment about what DEI is, that's like, hmm. this is why I do this. Or oh. if I talk to a student and they're like, I'm going to go into accounting. I think this is a great career. That's why I do this. Mm -hmm. Like it's all those little yeah. moments like that, that make me like, oh, yes, I did it. Like those yeah, are the kind of I've things. I've been successful yeah, today. Yeah. That, that <laughs> makes me feel like, okay, yeah, this is where I need to be. <laughs> yeah. Now with the, one of the things that we're, you know, I've done this, do this podcast a lot with my, a, a lot of customers, a lot of accountants. And maybe you feel this too, and, and maybe this is a little bit about what attracted you to the industry, but I, I don't want to make this rhetorical, but the one theme, the one thing that constantly comes up when I ask, you know, a version of why, why do you do what you do? Why do you build the firm? What is your firm's, per firm's purpose? What is your purpose? Why do you enjoy accounting? The one thing that everybody says ne nearly constantly and nearly first every time is that accountants just love helping people, right? They love that connection that they have with their clients that all, that a lot become friends. They love seeing that uh, their now friend go on a journey from zero to hero or from, you know, business to business or from, you know, small shop to big shop or whatever their version of, of success is, right? They just love being a part of that journey. They love the connection that, that, that the journey binds them together. And they love, you know, deploying their skills in a way that uh, has impact. And ultimately, you know, we all love that. But I think those types of people, if you can find, and by the way, most accountants would make pretty terrible firemen <laughs> or policemen. And so they, they just, you know, ultimately it's a similar type of person, right? It's a similar, you know, I'd feel this deep desire to give back. I mean, in quotes, because they're getting paid for it and all that. But, you know, it's a similar natured person that actually, you know, gets strength from that giving process, that helping process, that impact process. And... Um, Anyway, there you go. You didn't ask me. <laughs> no, I but agree. It, but, I agree. But the, the, I think, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, as accountants, we're, we're really kind of paid to talk to people, right? Like we engage with people yeah. on a day-to-day -day basis, at least in my, and even in this job, I'm not practicing in accounting, but I talk to accountants every single day sure. and it's a client service business, yeah. right? And so you have to be able to engage yeah. with people yeah. and you have to like talking to people <laughs> to be able to do this job. And that's right. In my space, I also yeah. like, I think I agree. I like, I like giving and I'm giving in the way of education, in the way of helping and 
Sure. For me, it's about being a part of something bigger than me, being a part of something that yeah. can make a long lasting impact. You use the word impact. It's, I think it's, yeah. I want to be able mm-hmm. to be, say that when I'm looking 20 years, they say by 2045, the minorities will yeah. exceed, yeah. The, will be the majority. I want to be able to look back and say, I helped with mm. that. I was a part of that. Yes. Yep. I got some of those some into of account. Work, I helped. So, um, <laughs> and that's rewarding. Yeah. That's purpose, right? And that's, yeah. you know, not just being up here on this earth, just yep. taking up space. <laughs> so. Yeah. Which, not having a go at other industries or, or you know, athletes and all that stuff, but there, there is a purpose in there. There is an impact and there is a uh, there is something bigger than ourselves in that, and and we, we feel that by building software that enables that and play our tiny little part. And if that helps, then you know we we, we can look back and be proud. <laughs> I have a I I didn't say this before, but I played um, basketball in college, and that was I had a coach. Uh-huh who her name is Lori Pirtle, and she would always tell us, never leave any space the way you let, got there. Leave it better than the way you, than you, you know, leave it better than the way it was when you got there. And so that's kind of how I feel about this job. I, I feel like I want to leave the profession better than hmm. it was when I entered it. And so if I can do my part, that's what, um, to help, that's what I'm going to do. And so... Well, the industry should be super proud of your efforts. The membership base should be super thankful for for everything that you and the association does. And and uh, you know, if there's anything that we can do to help, we would love to to participate and and promote diversity and inclusion in the industry. And thank you for yeah, that. If, yes. if please, we'd be more than happy to assist in, in any way that. Uh, Great. That, that I'll, I'm going to hold you to that. To. Please do, please do. Hey, Crystal, this has been super fun. Thank you for. Oh, great. Uh, no, thank you for having me. I've learned so much. I really have. Very good. <laughs> this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. This has been fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found this discussion interesting, fun, you'll find lots more to help you run a successful accounting firm at Carbon Magazine. There are more than a thousand free resources there, including guides, articles, templates, webinars, and more. Just head to carbonhq.com slash resources. I'd also love it if you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Let us know you like this session. We'll be able to keep bringing you more guests for you to learn from and get inspired by. Thanks for joining and see you in the next episode of the Accounting Leaders Podcast.